broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout and discussing everything that has been taking place in the geek world over the past 168 hours. Well, give or take. It's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Stolen Droids Podcast, episode number 233. I'm Schmitty. I'm Zonert. And I'm Zoot. Colin, of course, is dead. As it turns out, um, he... Well, gee, I wanted to go someplace dark and say he hung himself because he's so sick of his network, but I just realized that could be a trigger for some people. Uh, that's a little too serious. How do we make that lighthearted? Uh, um, he rolled yeah, a one. Uh, yes, and... he rolled a one. <laughs> he rolled a one on network topology, and he's currently paying for it. Thank you, Shmitty. Wow. Thank you so yeah. much. <laughs> that is sad. Oh, I, I should have thought that one through a bit better. Um, so we are just the three of us again. Uh, we want to give special thanks out to our friends over at trekradio.net, kryptonradio.com, openbookaudio.com, Radio KSCR, 4814 Web Hosting, and Eagle Moss Limited. Yeah. I think you got them all. I did. And this is a good day for other reasons, too, because just today, we're recording this Thursday, Thursday night, pretty much on time, um, which is weird for us, but... The Generic Geek Podcast has now hit Pocket Cast, Stitcher, and iTunes. We are taking over the internet one website at a time. It's, it's official. It's kind of weird that here we are in 2015, and it's still not an official podcast until it's in the iTunes directory. Yeah, that's really weird. I, I just think that's kind of funny. Well, they were but kind hey. of the, the creators of the podcast, I guess. The, the word podcast. I know. I know what you're thinking. But. Yeah. No. You're right. You're right. It's it's the popular thing. It's like it's not made it until Apple does it. Ooh, that leads well into our into our headlines, doesn't it? Almost like I planned it, but I didn't. Like there was some big Apple event or something this week. Mm-hmm. The Apple pickers congregated, and it was <laughs> Apple harvest season. Did you guys notice that I used the term Apple pickers today on Facebook? I did actually. <laughs> But we have feedback. We have feedback. Not as much feedback as you guys had over on SD files. Good heavens, you guys had a lot of feedback. Well, um, you know, you threatened to take away the show and people <laughs> actually respond. As it turns out, yeah. Uh, respond or else. We'll take this away. Now, this is from Ruff, uh, and he's, it, he says that this feedback is so old I wouldn't even consider it feedback, so just treat it like an FYI. I'm on a long train ride and have time to catch up on some old episodes. The reason I didn't comment on the below cash value, you may remember this, this is from a few weeks ago when we were talking about HTC being below cash value, is because I hadn't gotten to that part of your show when I sent in the printer feedback. Fair enough. Below cash value means that the market price, meaning shares times price, for a company is below the cash that the company has in the bank. One way of valuing a company is to start with its investments, case, assets, etc., and then add an amount for future earnings. Uh, so if I'm understanding this correctly, Ruff, let's say that a company is valued at $100 in stocks. Obviously, that's really low, but let's let's deal with more digestible numbers. But the company itself owns $200 worth of property, liquid assets, future prof- profitable earnings. That means that people have such little faith in it that it's trading well below what it's worth. Almost like they're just trying to get rid of it. Right? Which would explain kind of how everyone feels about HTC at this moment. We'll go with that explanation. Good job. Sure. And Yeah, that's all like totally confusing to me, so I'm just going to defer to those who are more intelligent than I. As it turns out, uh, financial stuff and stocks are the one thing you can't Wikipedia search on. 
<laughs> they try to keep it a an, secret. <laughs> there's an article there, but you might as well be reading Greek. Do you think that's because they're trying to keep the ma- keep like normal people down? Is that the man trying to keep us down? Possibly, it's like a financial version of Lipsum or you know Ipsum Lorum, where everything <laughs> is just nonsense. <laughs> Don't educate the people. Don't educate the people. <laughs> Admittedly, it's what we do in IT as well. Um, Shh, you're not supposed to say that. If that's everyone, a, that's an industry it, secret. We don't we don't tell the people that. <laughs> Even if we did tell the people, they wouldn't believe us. True. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. So as we alluded to earlier, it was the week of a large Apple announcement, and let's go ahead and get the big disclaimer out of the way first. Yes, this is going to sound like a whole bunch of Apple hate. No, it's not intentional. Um, and as much as we like to make fun of Apple, it's not like we actively hate them. They're not BlackBerry. Okay? I think we can all agree they're not. Um, I actually got an email from somebody saying that they wanted me to come work for BlackBerry the other day. Did you laugh? Laugh I actually into the did. email? I, I laughed until I had to get up and go pee. Did you reply <laughs> all, ha, ha, ha? <laughs> <laughs> I just deleted it. This this reply email has an attached audio clip. That's odd. Let's play that at full volume. <laughs> that would be awesome. But so, okay, we've been doing this show for years, right? And in the time we've been doing this show, the technology world has changed considerably. But if anything, I think we can go on record and say that we've had a pretty good track record in seeing where things are going and remembering where it's come from and how to kind of compare things. Would you say that's fair? I think so. I, sure. I, I, yeah. I'd say so. Um, so, if it sounds like there's a whole bunch of Apple hate, just understand that it's nothing personal. It's probably legitimate. Um, the first thing on the docket is the um, Apple Surface. Uh, they call it an iPad Pro, but make no mistake, it's a Surface. I like that. I like that. With a little better resolution. I think that's the only oh, thing no. it has over. Oh, yeah, definitely surface. a nice screen. Definitely a nice screen. Mm. I won't begrudge at that. Um, also, no kickstand. So, you know, you, you win some, you lose some. No USB port. The Surface had that. Um, it can use a stylus, so it's like a Surface Pro. <laughs> Which is funny because wasn't Steve Jobs, like, vehemently against stylus? Like, oh, yeah. He would Styli. never put a stylus. Yeah, styli. Thank you. He would never put a stylus on one of his products because the products were meant to touch. You weren't you weren't supposed to use a stylus. If you want a stylus, go with you know palm. anything else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, you, you're right, and I, you're underselling it. He he very famously had a screaming tirade about how no one needed styluses anymore. Yeah. Oh well, um, we should correct her. So this is this isn't a stylus. It's the Apple Pencil. Right. So. Sorry, <laughs> um, because. To charge $100 for a stylus is highway robbery, but to charge $100 for a pencil, that's totally different. That's, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so let's, let's get the obvious things out of the way. Is it powerful? You betcha. You betcha. Powerful new processor. Apple claims it's the most powerful portable ever released to market. I call them bold-faced liars because they obviously have forgotten that the Surface Pro has come with a Core i7 processor for three years. Um, I don't know why they even felt the need to say that. It's an easy lie to debunk. If it was so powerful, why haven't you put it in your laptops? 
because we just came out with it. <laughs> well, I, you know, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, right, no, no, yeah. you can't say it's the most powerful portable. It, it, you can say it's the most powerful portable that isn't a Windows PC. There you go. <laughs> I believe that. Sure, say it's more powerful than anything Android has put out. I'd even believe that until the numbers come in. There's no way to test it. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think it really is that. 12.9-inch screen. Um, so that's larger than a normal iPad. And it's also a different uh, aspect ratio. The iPad originally had a very uh, interesting 4 by 3 aspect ratio. They felt that this was a good um, compromise to seeing movies and reading content. And at first, when it first launched years ago, many people said, well, that's kind of dumb. Aren't we moving to widescreen now? Apple pointed out, and I believe they pointed out correctly, that a large widescreen tablet is uncomfortable to hold. Yeah, this is true. Uh, Dell has has a couple, and but they're like five inch and seven inch. But yeah, they're, yeah. No matter how big they are, they are awkward to hold just because of the the nature of that aspect ratio. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I will give an Apple, I will give Apple full props for this. The iPad has always been comfortable to hold, either in landscape or in portrait, and to read things on. And yeah, you have to uh, deal with annoying black bars there, but it's not the worst thing. Well, this one throws that away. It's widescreen now. So they're very famously undoing everything they have done. Um, so you have that. You have the fact that it has, well, we don't know how much RAM it has. They won't say. Adobe accidentally uh, put out a article that said it has four gigs of RAM. However, then they promptly took it down and pretended it never happened. So <laughs> I'm willing to bet it has four gigs of RAM. Or or a it, version of it does. I don't know. Yeah, it, it just makes sense. Um, otherwise, oh, the new version of iOS running on it can multitask. That's right. You can actually snap. They're not calling it snap, of course. That would be too much like Microsoft. Uh, <laughs> but you can snap two programs side by side with it. Isn't that awesome? We've never seen that before. Wow, that's revolutionary. That, that is innovative. <laughs> it's totally innovative and not at all like Surface RT. Um it has this really cool smart cover keyboard um, that's kind of this woven fabric, and it snaps on using magnets like it, like the previous ones did. And when it opens up, it either acts as a fabric cover or, or you can type on it. There's actual keys woven into the fabric cover. Wow. That's revolutionary. Now, <laughs> it is totally revolutionary. <laughs> so innovative. So Innovative. Okay, so let's put the hate away here, all right? Because, no, one more thing. <laughs> one more thing for hate, because it's so easy. So, in a really interesting kind of uh, twist, they um, <laughs> they brought out a Microsoft developer. When they were talking about the people who are developing for the new iPad Pro, the very first person they bring out is a Microsoft person. And I'm thinking, well, this is an odd turn. What, what's going on? And he works specifically in the Office development team. So he works on Office. Okay, okay. So the iPad Pro is being targeted at professionals. Sure, makes sense. A Apple's been trying to really break into the enterprise market for a while. And they haven't been doing very well. Um, let's see what he's going to talk about. Oh, oh, it's a new version of Office. Interesting. Oh, and it uses the stylus. Okay, the stylus with the office, and you can open two office apps side by side and actually copy and paste content from one app directly into the other one. 
did you guys actually watch his presentation or did you just read the live blog? I was just I reading didn't. the live blog. <laughs> I I watched specifically that section of it because he has this look on his face and his tone and his voice kind of like, you know, like we've been doing over on the Surface and every other Windows installation for years. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I mm. well, we know, and we know it took uh, a couple of years for copy and paste to just be implemented on onto the iPhone. Yeah, and onto so, all phones. Yeah, so it was. Yeah, it's funny. Now, look, I. It's so easy to hate on this because this is such a stupid thing. Um, but props where props are due. The iPad revolutionized tablets, not because it was so much more capable than anything before it, but because it was so much more accessible, right? It made tablet computing so easy for everyone to get in on. Yeah. And and uh, kind of afraid of being a little cliche here, but it just worked. And that's what people needed to get the tablet industry jump-started. Yeah, so. no, you're absolutely right. It just worked. It started at $500, $499, really, for the base model, lowest storage, no 3G. And it worked, and the battery lasted, and everything was great about it. But here we are, a few years later, and I'm not kidding. They basically released an entire product that was nothing but a Me Too. Yeah. <laughs> and this Me Too starts at $800. Well, and it's not even the full computer like the Surface is. It's not running the full operating system. It's running the portable operating system, the mobile operating system. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, they also updated the iPad Mini uh, with an update that honestly should have been out last year. Uh, they're, they're, they're just running behind, which is kind of confusing. Uh, they have the new iPhone 6S. Um, they finally bumped its... Um, camera up to a, a 12 megapixel. It has a slightly stronger glass screen. Oh, oh, and it comes in aluminum rose. Oh. You can't tell if you're listening, but I'm nodding sagely. I want one now. Yeah. Well, you know, your voice <laughs> did convey that that was an important thing. So it's very so, important. You know, before you put it into your iPhone case, it's rose gold, just like your grandma's jewelry that she ordered off of QVC. Rose gold and aluminum rose are the same color? Well, they didn't actually make the phone out of gold, so it's kind of that brushed rose color that rose gold appears. Oh, okay. um, cool. Now, I'm interestingly, and I say interestingly because I honestly don't know where it's going to go, Apple did release their 3D Touch on the new iPhone 6S. This is an almost analog-style control for the touchscreen where it's pressure-sensitive. So you can hover over things, and you'll get one context menu. Uh, you can do other things like it. It's quite interesting, and the iPad is something like it as well. Um, theirs isn't for 3D touch. Theirs is specialized for, uh, for the stylus and fingers. And I, and I mentioned this uh, while we were watching the live tweets, I can't help but wonder how much having a screen protector is going to screw that up. Yeah, maybe not at all. To be fair, to be perfectly fair, maybe not at all. But it might not be because Sam, Samsung has has done this before. Just they they just didn't implement it very well, right? They have they have the hover option in a lot of their apps. Oh yeah, um, but they only implement it. I think it's only available in their apps. Like it, I don't think it's part of the SDK. It's you can't develop apps for it. So they didn't implement it very well. So with Apple 
introducing this to the iPhone, it's and it's across the OS, and it's across the OS. It's it's going to take it to to new places where developers are actually going to be able to use it. Whereas before, it was more of just a gimmick. One one of the things Samsung used to to boast about their platform. So I don't know. It could it no, could work. I, you're right, though. I had forgotten about that. Uh, one thing that I don't remember seeing in the presentation, but one of my friends brought up, is that the new iPhone camera allows you to take a photo and then select an area that has motion so you can integrate motion into the still photo. Kind of like a really trippy GIF. And how revolutionary is that, except for the fact that my Windows phone Nokia from three years ago had that ability. And Again, Samsung has also done that, and all their and models Motorola. since the uh, yeah yeah yeah. Um, really, kind of disappointing. Uh, now the the iPhone also has a smaller battery than previous. It's like half the size of my G three. However, a lot of people are saying that shouldn't matter because their new nine X chip sips power comparatively. So I'm honestly not too worried about that. If anything, it's a boost because it means it'll charge faster, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Apple Watch announced uh, their their version two coming out. According to Tim Cook, uh, the Apple Watch has a ninety seven percent satisfaction rate amongst its customers. <laughs> I don't know if I believe that either. <laughs> it's because it's too expensive. Nobody wants to admit they made a mistake. Yeah, no, it's fine. You know, I don't use it, um, but when I use it, it works just fine. Well, why don't you use it? Well, there's, there's I, I don't need to. There's not really anything you can do on it. It's a glorified timepiece, but hey, whatever. Apple. That's that's not a 97% satisfaction rate. That's a I don't care. <laughs> that's a 97% of the people don't want to bother taking it back because they don't want to look like douches. So. Yep. Yeah, by having it, they look like a douche. <laughs> See, it's yeah, it's a it's a lose-lose. <laughs> Sorry, Apple Pickers. (laughs) Sorry, Apple Pickers. Now, okay, so enough with the naysaying. Can I bring up the one thing that they talked about that I am excited for? Sure, the Apple TV. Apple TV. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) It does look really sweet. (laughs) It looks really sweet, and not just the unit itself, because honestly, the unit just looks like a slightly taller version of the Apple TV that's already out, but it's the interface. The interface honestly looks strong. It looks good. Um. They're, they're finally getting about- Apple TV correct this time. I mean, yeah. Apple TV before was, let's face it, clunky and not really very usable. <laughs> it was a time- portal. It was a portal to the iTunes Store. Yes, yes, and that was really its only purpose. Um, but they've gotten a lot of things refined. Uh, I forget is Plex available on the Apple TV? Uh, you I had to kind of is. hack around it. I don't think there was an actual app for it. No. Yeah, I think, but I think that's the only thing that's missing now because they have Hulu, they have Netflix, they have um, Redbox. Actually, they have a Redbox app. They have Showtime. They have HBO. They have a whole bunch of different channels on there, and they have Siri. Well, okay, that's dumb. Except for Siri on the TV OS, which is what they're calling the TV version of it, almost acts like Cortana. That's not meant as a backhanded compliment. It actually was really cool to watch because I could say, okay, you know. I want to make sure I don't actually trip Cortana on my computer right now. Um, But, hey, Siri. Yep, there it went. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Siri. uh, Show me all the kids' shows. Just ones from Robert Rodriguez. And it knew that. Even though it was two separate searches, it knew that the new search was in relation to the old one. And you could filter out 
ones you wanted to see. Show me action movies. Just ones with Sean Connery. Old Sean Connery. And it, it could do that for you, which is so nice because the big problem with all major home entertainment systems right now is the interface. Roku, very cool. Very affordable. Uh, the remote control is a little bit lacking, right? Um, the Apple TV, the remote control was a joke. It was a five-way control, and that was it. Uh, Windows, their media centers, when they had them, their controls were way too complicated. You know, you if you had a Windows media center, you had to have a Logitech Harmony remote because it was the only way to reliably <laughs> use one. Yeah. So they, they branded able, Logitech Harmony remotes just for the media centers. <laughs> they really did, actually. There was one specifically meant for the Windows media center and Xbox 360. Uh, Schmidt, I think you had that one. I have both of them, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, this interface is really, really cool, honestly. And if Apple knew what they're doing, and hopefully they do, they'll actually bring that version of Siri and that level of integration into all their products. And it's affordable. Yeah. Well, Surprisingly so affordable. 70 bucks was. No, no. Okay, so this is where it kind of gets confusing. The old Apple TV, the one that uh, we used to say it was an okay value, is now $70. You'll still be selling it, but for much cheaper. The new one, I want to say, starts at 129 Okay. Still affordable. but Still affordable. More expensive than what's currently out there. Uh, it's about the price of a high-end Roku. $100 is the high-end, isn't it? Yeah. And I thought the... Oh, that's right. The new Roku 3's dropped in price. Forget Unless what I said. Unless you get a Roku TV. Which, yeah. I mean, maybe oh, okay. that would yeah. be the high end because okay. it comes yeah. with the display as well. So as far as <laughs> plug-in boxes, I think the highest before app, app, the new Apple TV was $100. Yeah. Right. Oh, one other thing the Apple TV does. I am reserving judgment on this because I don't know how much it's going to take off. It can stream games. Cool. Now, like from it's phone? not going after Xbox. It's not going after PlayStation. It's going after Nintendo and Ouya. Nice. Roku has games. Yeah, they do. And they've got that that motion control remote you can play with, kind of like the Wii. I, I've never yeah. tried it. How, how does it work, Zoner? Have you tried it? Yeah, no, it works fine. Nice. Yeah, it works fine. Huh. Hmm. Cool. So, yeah, there's that. There's that. <laughs> <laughs> um... Can I just oh, say, kind of on, on a related note, uh, kind of a tangent, the Chromecast has gotten a lot better. They've been pushing more and more software updates, and the Chromecast has just, has become a lot more user-friendly and just really, really fast. I will say this. I, I think Google has figured, they probably figured a while ago, that if they were going to stick with the Chromecast, uh, and they kind of needed to do that too, they were going to have to bring out a lot more features and really refine it in a hurry. Yeah. Because Roku really put their feet to the fire, and then Microsoft announced their little portable sticks, and Apple has been rumored to be working on a TV system for ages. Mm -hmm. I don't think Google could afford to kibosh another Chrome project. I mean, you had the Nexus Q that famously failed. Yeah. Um, I don't think Google could afford to have to kill another one. It would just look too bad. They had mm -hmm. to make it work. Yeah. Well, and, and the way they do it, it, it works really well. And that's why they're able to make it $35 because it, it, the system itself doesn't run Netflix, doesn't run Hulu, doesn't run all these other apps. It relies on other devices 
to cast that content to it, which is what, why it works so well. You can, you can cast from your computer, from your phone, um, multiple different platforms too. So it's, it's become more of a, more of a streaming standard in, in households. I mean, even the Xbox one, you can cast to the Xbox one now too. You don't even need a Chromecast to use that. So it's, it's becoming more of a, a streaming standard. essentially. Mm-hmm. Very true. Um, I think that's all of our Apple news. Kind of. Yeah. It was an interesting day. Um, so a marketing firm that I've never heard of uh, decided to playfully make a plea to Apple to please not name the next phone the iPhone 6S. You see, it turns out their company's name is 6S. So they did this by hiring a truck to have a giant billboard, and they parked it in front of the Apple store in New York saying, please call it the iPhone 7. Their joke was that they wanted 6S to themselves. They didn't want people to confuse it for the names. Trust us, as stolen droids, we feel your pain. Um, <laughs> but I don't think they, I think they fully, full knew that this wasn't going to happen, that whatever name it had, it had already been named that. But it was a real clever way to steal a bit of spotlight yeah. and get their name. Because I had never heard of these people before, but I sure know them now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in reality, I don't. I don't think they really care whether or not they call it the iPhone success, but this is like, like you said, this is one of the best marketing ploys we've seen in a while. So yeah, very much. So, um, moving into the, um, Microsoft iPad pro also known as a surface. See, I can do it both ways. (laughs) Um, they're going to get, a upsell now. Uh, it turns out Dell and HP have signed on to sell or resell Microsoft's Surface Pro tablets. That sounds confusing. Well, haven't they always been doing it? Well, no, actually. In fact, my Windows tablet is a Dell. It's a Venue. It's a Venue Pro. You couldn't buy a Surface through either of them, which I want to say is the real reason why the Surface Pro has not taken off in sales. Yeah, good point. <laughs> you wanted a Surface? You had to go to Microsoft. Yep. And even as much as I like Microsoft, sorry, there's something really cool about going to an Apple store. There's nothing really cool about going to Microsoft.com to buy hardware. <laughs> Except you could do it in your underwear. <laughs> Precisely. I'm fairly certain I could do that at an Apple store, though, and no one would care. So long as I had my Starbucks coffee with me and my hair was gelled just right, they just think it was normal. Wow, that guy has fashion sense. <laughs> Man, I bet you he's so ahead of the curve. I'll bet you he has four watches at home. <laughs> all four colors one for each limb guys um sorry weird uh so yeah they're going to start selling uh the surface pro tablets supplementing them with enterprise grade apps um i don't know i they they announced this headline before the Apple event, and I can't help but feel that Apple probably knew this was happening, and they knew that Apple was going to be coming out with an iPad Pro, because this seems directly set against the iPad Pro. Let's stop Apple dead from ever getting their stuff into the enterprise. Let's target the enterprise with Dell and HP, who have huge inroads into the enterprise market, and get them to use Surface Pros. Yeah, makes sense, yeah. Now, this is me putting taking down my podcast host hat and putting on my IT admin hat. Um, I don't know how well this is going to work. Not because the Surface Pro doesn't work in Enterprise. It does. It does really well. But because as an IT admin, 
I don't like giving my employees tablets. I don't want to buy those things, hand them to you, and pray to whatever God looks over Microsoft products that you're going to take care of them and bring them back. And not drop it. As you're or sell it. spaghetti or, in the kitchen. Yeah. Or your kid wants to play on it in church, and you say, sure, it's just a tablet, never mind the fact that the company owns it. Right. Yeah, there's no doubt that um, tablets are being used more and more in businesses. And so that, that's uh, on, that, on that end... Um, it's it's going to get a lot of a lot of use that way, but I, I see I see your concern, um, and not only because of you know just the idea of a uh, idea of the tablet is you know in people's minds right now it's kind of a throwaway device, but it's more along the lines of if if the employee takes something that's portable, um, I mean not not like a laptop laptop is portable, but with a tablet it's it's more accessible I guess I guess I should say. And so they're more likely to take it more places where it's it's going to get damaged, it's going to get um, overused, um, which which is hard on Windows devices. Windows devices are meant for you know productivity. You're sitting at a desk or um, regular maintenance. Regular, yeah, <laughs> they're designed I mean, to, for yeah. And a, and a tablet, you're using it in the car. You're using it at, um, sitting at the dentist's office. You're sitting. I mean, it it, it gets used way more often. Than, than a desktop or a laptop, and it's it's going to need more maintenance. So, yeah, it's going to be a nightmare for IT guys. Great for the employees, but <laughs> nightmare. Yeah, I, as best I can tell, and this has been my policy everywhere I've worked, where I've been in charge of the network, which is most places I've worked, if you have a tablet that you want to bring onto the network, that's great. It better be yours, and you better be willing to uh, install our security policies on it because we'll enforce them. But I'm not buying you one from the companies you issue to you. That ain't happening. <laughs> right. But maybe I'm just an old curmudgeon. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, Zook, since you're, since you're kind of talking about it. There's been a lot of discussion over the last few years of how the desktop PC is going away and how it's being replaced in the workplace by tablets. Do you is Is that not the case from your perspective? Is that not accurate? Or is that just... It's news, not accurate. Just news people trying to make headlines and Apple trying to sell iPads. Well, it's both, really. Um, the tablet is certainly becoming more accessible and more useful in the business. Okay, uh, And there are certainly industries that lend themselves to it. Insurance adjusters, what's easier than going out to the scene of an accident with a tablet? You can take pictures with it. You can do everything you need with it. It stores all the information you need, and if there's anything so large that needs to be uploaded later, you just wait till you get back and pop it in. Uh, the medical profession, it's really easy to chart, right? Yeah. It's really easy to pull up whatever x-rays or whatever records. You can make adjustments to it. It, it. it lends itself well to that. I would imagine engineers have the same kind of thing. Business is a little bit different. Um, in that, For one, desktop PCs for entry-level workers can be around $300. That's $300. Um, that's separate from the monitors. So if a person wants two monitors to increase productivity, not a problem. Add it. If they only want one because maybe their job has been demoted or maybe it goes to a different person, not a problem. Take one away. Uh, the computer craps out, re-image it in a hurry or just swap it out for a new one. You don't have to change the monitors. It, it just, it, from a standpoint of IT, tablets aren't quite that ubiquitous yet the upside to them doesn't offset the downsides. 
And that's really what business is about. It's about ROI. It's about return on investment. And tablets do not return fast enough. Because, see, that's kind of been my experience and my perception as I've looked at this. And I keep hearing people saying, oh, well, this is the case. But real world isn't isn't matching up with that in in my experience. So. Yeah, it seems like to me in most cases in, in the business scenario that, that Zook brings up is that a, a tablet would be more a supplemental device where uh, you'd still have your desktop or your laptop and the tablet would be more of like, a oh, I'm getting up to go to a meeting, so I'm going to bring my tablet because it's more portable. And then when I get and back that is, to my desk, I'm back at my desktop. So That is precisely how I use mine. I have a laptop for work that I dock in and it becomes kind of a desktop. I have all my monitors at work and then I have my Windows tablet. Well, I could just as easily unhook my laptop and take it into a meeting, but I find it easier to just pick up my tablet. Since my laptop's Windows 10 and my tablet's Windows 10, they just immediately pick each other up, and I can transfer files back and forth between them no problem, and I can install the same apps on them. So you're right. It is a supplemental device. Now, maybe that'll change in the next couple of years, but you also have to understand that most businesses keep their PCs for between five to seven years. Yeah. Well, and a it, tablet that you keep that long doesn't look so good after yeah. seven years. Well, and, and so that, that brings up another good point. Something that you keep for, for that long, it might make more sense to, to buy something that will last longer. A $1,200 Surface Pro that will, that will last that long as opposed to a $500 tablet that might only last a year. So uh, there's different, different metrics to weigh in every situation. So Definitely. It's not as easy as people would like. Um. What is as easy, actually, as it should be, is the new Android Pay, which launched today, Thursday. Um, You will probably start to see it rolling out across the uh, Google Play Store, and it replaces the Google Wallet. Kind of. Kind of. Here's where it gets confusing in the news, and I'm right there with you. If you're confused about it, no judgment at all, because until we started recording this episode, I was kind of confused by it as well. Some news sources will tell you that Google Wallet's going away. Now you have to do everything through Google Google Pay. Android Pay. Android Pay. Other (laughs) news sources, like us, will call it Google Pay. And still other news sources (laughs) uh, will tell you that, oh, no, don't worry about it. You don't have to do anything. Android Pay is being rolled out to all these different retailers. They're doing this stuff. The truth is it's actually kind of a combination of all of them. Google Wallet, if you are currently a Google Wallet user, you will see that that app gets updated on your phone to become Android Pay. The Google Wallet system, so like I use it all the time down at my grocery store, that is being renamed to Android Pay. And in addition to that, thousands of retailers are now rolling out the new increased capabilities of Android Pay. So don't worry about it. If you're currently a wallet user, you will be a pay user. That's all. That's just it. I don't <laughs> know why everyone made it so difficult to understand. Yeah, it's it's only that if you're a new user, you will go. You will look for Android Pay to download, not Google Wallet. Right. Right. So that's what I. Again, I really don't know why so many people made it so hard to understand because it was really <laughs> causing me stress there for a while. Um, quick little update. You remember when we talked about um, creating like an Internet of Things? center in your home using a Raspberry Pi and a touchscreen monitor? La- yeah. Last episode, I want to say. And, and Schmidt, you brought up, well, geez, how much would that be? Touchscreens aren't always that cheap. Yeah. Like, the next 
today it was announced that Raspberry Pi now has a $60 touchscreen that is built specifically for it. The Raspberry Pi 2, it hooks right into it. Yeah, this is this is almost serendipitous for what we were talking about. Because, I mean, the Raspberry Pi itself is, is, a, is a pretty powerful computer, a small IoT computer. Um, and that you can buy third-party you know, aftermarket monitors to, to plug into it. But most of those are pretty expensive. Um, I had to make do with a small two and a half inch touchscreen one that still put me back about $50. So this for only $10 more and a seven inch, uh, touchscreen, I think it's seven inch, right? Um, yeah. Is a lot more, uh, doable for, for people in the, in the do it yourself, uh, market because not only is it touchscreen, but it's 10 finger touch, uh, it detects up to 10 fingers. Um, and, the HDMI functionality on it is, um, uh, I forgot what I was uh, going to say. <laughs> I want it's. I want to say it's like uh, it's not that high. It's only like uh, eight hundred by six forty. Yeah, four eighty. Eight hundred by four eighty. Um, so I mean, it's it's capable enough for the, doing the things you want to do. Uh, there are all already a lot of homebrew apps for uh, the whole home automation arena. Uh, and it will go great on on this touch display. They have um, thermostat apps, uh, home control apps for for almost anything that you can plug into a smart things hub. So it's it's, it's definitely something to look into if you're into uh, if you want to get into home home automation or IoT. It's awesome. If if you're into this thing, and let's be honest, if you are, you know it. Um, it's not something we can convince you to get into. This is a really cool accessory. <laughs> Social media, have you ordered yours yet? Uh, no, you ordered I three of them while we were talking. <laughs> I had to wait for my paycheck to come in, and then and then I'll order them. Sure. <laughs> Are you ordering me one for now? Finally, sure, yeah. There you go. <laughs> you, you buy yourself all the fun toys. <laughs> um. Okay. I guess we weren't entirely done with Apple, um, because Apple and Microsoft have banded together against a common foe: the U.S. government. Does that make them terrorists? Uh, what, does it strike you? fear into people? I guess, sure. <laughs> Ubuntu users. <laughs> Fair They're enough. Ubuntu terrorists. <laughs> the Ubuntu terrorist group. <laughs> there no, those would be freedom fighters. Um yeah, so it turns out that the government has been trying to requisition data from most major tech companies and they've just been getting stonewalled. Um, most recently, the Justice Department tried to get Apple to turn over iMessage messages. iMessages. I don't know how you'd say that. Message messages from messages. their iMessage system. Yes. Um, and Apple had to say, sorry, we can't. It's all encrypted. Now, whether or not that's true, it doesn't really matter um, because according to them, that data is owned by Apple. They can't just give it up. It's not like it's a private or a public utility. This comes at the same time when FBI, when the FBI is trying to get data from Microsoft, but it's data that's held on Irish servers. Their servers over in Ireland, where the FBI doesn't have any jurisdiction. So and it's still encrypted. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, this is this is such a can of worms. I can't believe no one saw it, didn't see this coming. Oh, well, and let's let's face it. NSA already it already has access to this, and it's, it's so it's it's a moot point anyway. 
Well, and this is what's <laughs> kind of funny to me. And Zana, you've been really quiet um, this episode. This is kind of up your alley because uh, you don't trust the government at all. <laughs> why? Why would you say that? Just, just shut <laughs> up! I, they're don't. listening. They're listening. <laughs> I just added your name. To a list. Doesn't Zahner mean freedom fighter in French or something? It does, actually. It means communist freedom fighter. <laughs> yeah, I have no response to that, Zook, so. <laughs> so, um, so we're in a really tricky spot right now, okay? China's been hacking the crap out of us. So the Obama administration wants to get tough on that and wants to increase uh, private security for the Internet and for data. But not too much because the government still wants to get our data. So the government's been getting our data, but we're not happy with that. So companies have been trying to increase their encryption to protect the customer's data, but the government still wants that data, so they're going against the companies. Meanwhile, the head of the government is telling the companies to increase their security to keep data out of the hands of the Chinese. This is just a huge quagmire. It's a huge mess. Yeah, but, you know, when you get the government involved, that what what more do you expect? My wife well, went... Not- to go get. It's not even our government, too. Because no. even, if, even if our government didn't get involved, we'd still have other governments trying to get our data. Okay, let me tell you. I lived in South Africa for two years, and I saw people, the, the telecom companies there, the phone companies were owned by the government. I saw people go in, request to have a phone in their house. They couldn't go to the store and buy a phone. They had to get one through the government. They would request the phone... And it would take six months to 18 months to get that phone into their home and have it activated. And so it surprises me not at all that, you know, you get government involved and it's just a giant cluster. Like a Linux cluster? Yes. I don't understand. (laughs) What do you mean? Um, uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a... It's bad stuff. You get the government involved in anything, and it's going to go badly. It may not appear to at the beginning, but eventually it will all turn south. Mm-hmm. Uh, even I have to agree with that, and I'm kind of a big proponent of the government. Um, so we didn't. We, we, we have to, right? It, we, we're this far into an episode. We're 45 minutes in. We've only mentioned BlackBerry once that we didn't like them, so here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> the Blackberry news of the week. It's our quota, okay? Something is wrong. It, it's like that door from Lost, right? If we don't reset the counters every so often, something goes horribly wrong. If we I don't have to hit the button. <laughs> yeah. If we don't talk about Blackberry every so often, like kittens die somewhere or something. Probably. Um, that wouldn't be so, so bad. Quiet you. <laughs> They grow to be cats. That's a bad thing. Yeah, that that kind of happens. <laughs> Are you surprised by this? I mean, do we need to have a talk? No, no I'm just saying. <laughs> the more kittens we get rid of, the less cats we'll have. See? It's a direct correlation. Yeah, or okay. you could spay and neuter, you know. Do the Bob Barker <laughs> thing, not the Hitler thing. Also, the more Android phones you buy, the less Blackberries there will be. No, because now Blackberry's releasing an Android phone. Anyway, so (laughs) Blackberry bought good technology. That sounds like I'm making a joke, but no, the name of the company is Good. Now it's called Good Technology. Yeah, yeah, if you've been around for a while, Good is something you have used before. Uh, Palm Pilots famously used them a lot. Handspring Trios used them. It was the very early. Well, it was the early Blackberry, if I may. 
pretty much. They had yeah. their yeah, they had their own web system. They had their own email system. Microsoft Exchange didn't really exist, and it wasn't out on phones. There was nothing unified. Um, you could do text messaging through it. You could do um, office uh, file syncing and sharing. It was really ahead of its time. It was good stuff. But, but that was 10 years ago. <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating. That was a decade ago. Yeah, I didn't know they were still around. Neither did I, but it looks like they've been thriving somewhere in the market. Um, evidently, good has now just been uh, a bunch of Android apps that did what they used to do for people who don't want to move to Exchange, evidently. Um, and they were bought by BlackBerry for $425 million. On one hand, that's not a huge amount. You know, uh, in, in this day and age, when we're looking at acquisitions upwards in the billion-dollar range... That is not a whole lot for a company that used to be on top of everything. However, this is BlackBerry we're talking about. Yeah, Do they yeah, have that? that that's where money? I was getting. <laughs> Do they have that? Does BlackBerry's mom know that it's been rummaging through her purse? Because <laughs> another jet or something. <laughs> Let's listen, BlackBerry. We know your allowance. We know you don't have that. It's on loan. <laughs> it has to be. These are people, this is a company that has been losing money, just bleeding it out. I. Maybe they when, sold some playbooks to Russia? <laughs> These are and weird. the warehouse it was in? Well, it, it makes me wonder, either they've, this, this uh, acquisition has been uh, um, in talks for, for, you know, two or three years, or, or they failed at what they were trying to do, because... For a long time, they had, have been trying to um, go multi-platform. It's it's been one thing that uh, that they've been talking about for such a long time. So either that failed, or this is what they were talking about: buying another technology company that would allow them to go multi-platform. Um, yeah, kind of. Um, <laughs> I, I do have to say, I hate this article. It's from the Android Police. Uh, by Bertel King Jr., who I hope has a horrible, horrible death, um, because he's used the good pun now more times than I have, <laughs> and it gets painful. Yeah. Wow, that's not good. No, it's not good. <laughs> okay. Good, guys. Yeah. Good. good. It's good. Uh, it's all good. <laughs> um. Speaking of good things, GM has finally decided to make it so your car can't get hijacked through OnStar. Uh, no, this is not the vulnerability that was discussed and revealed just recently uh, from BuzzFeed. No, no, or, or Wired, excuse me. It's the OnStar vulnerability that has existed for five years that they didn't really make public until they quietly fixed it just this week. And really, that's the best way to fix it. <laughs> I agree. Something that has been known about. But but then it goes to that idea that you know if if it is, has existed for five years, then someone somewhere could have figured it out and probably has been exploiting it. Who knows? We we haven't heard anything about it, so no news is good news. Or someone was hoping that they wouldn't get discovered. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know why it took them this long. Uh, the article goes on about how ahead of the time the hack was, which on one hand I kind of get, but it obviously wasn't so ahead of the time that it didn't affect anything. It obviously affected something back in 2010 and 2011. Why couldn't they fix it then? 
Just, <laughs> just, just kind of wondering. Uh, speaking of vulnerabilities, Ashley Madison. I know we're so tired about talking talking about these people. We're so tired about it. Schmitty saw this headline and groaned. <laughs> Wrong choice of words. <laughs> I was going to say not in, not in a sexual manner. Oh, <laughs> Ashley Madison. Talk about them again. I'm so done with you, Ashley Madison. Um, no, so <laughs> Kick her to the curb. <laughs> that dirty, dirty tramp. Um, that's a line from a movie. I'm not just randomly saying that in case anyone's wondering. Okay. So as part of the data dump that happened, all those users whose information, be it valid or not, was put out there included passwords. As we've learned from previous security leaks, that's always a problem because if that password is linked to a username and or email address, chances are very high that someone is using that same password, that same username elsewhere, right? No one creates separate passwords for everything they do unless their name is Schmitty. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> so so the chances are very high. That's how people get one password and suddenly they own your entire identity is this way. Well, okay, not a problem because all 36 million passwords are using a type of encryption. Oh, geez, and I closed that. Bcrypt. Bcrypt, yes. Uh, and Bcrypt is very, very hard to crack. It's really, really um, intense. It would take just centuries. It would take quote, thousands and thousands of years. An algorithm so slow and computationally demanding, it would literally take centuries to crack all 36 million of them. So, yep pretty good okay thank you ashley madison at least you had that going for oh no no evidently not because about 15 million of them uh so nearly half weren't using bcrypt they were just using an md5 hash now easily uh, reversible (laughs) yeah um i realize that these aren't phrases most people are used to hearing but trust me when i say that not all encryption is created equal uh so 11 million passwords were reverse engineered in 10 days and they're pretty confident they can get the other 4 million in a couple more days that's pretty that's scary. horrible that yeah that's pretty scary uh, and not just for ashley madison users right um because that's a horrible thing <laughs> we trust the different places we enter our passwords to keep them secure somehow but this is basically saying they didn't encrypt it at all. Yeah. Well, and they they found the uh, the vulnerability in the code. So no matter how secure you think your database is, the code itself could reveal how you're encrypting something, or or if there's a vulnerability, the code could like be pointing right to it with a big red finger, you know. And so in in this case, had they had better coding practices, this vulnerability might not have been found. As yeah. easily. So, I mean, it's it's more of a stab at the developers of Ashley Madison. So. Oh, it's a huge stab at the developers. My concern is, is one of the big reasons I added this to the headlines is, how many other websites do you think suffer from the same vulnerability? Pro- a lot. <laughs> I, I would hope not many. In a perfect world, none. It was just these schmoes, right? Right. But something tells me a lot more than I'd like. Yeah. Well, and Bcrypt is very common. Mcrypt is also um, very common. And a lot of people do use that, um, but not a lot of people adhere to very strict programming practices. Um, and in, in this case, yes, they were using Bcrypt hashes to store uh, passwords, but to make processes faster, 
they would also include MD5 hashes of recent logins. So the next time they logged in, it wouldn't wouldn't take as long. Those MD5 hashes, which are easy easily reversed, are the ones that that uh, um, that made it a lot easier to hack. So um, if if people are using poor programming practices like that, like storing an MD5 hash right next to a bcrypt hash, then yeah, it's it's going to get found out. <laughs> so follow good programming practices. That's re- that's really all that it boils down Please. to. Please, <laughs> just please. Okay. But see, that's really uh, quite asking a lot, Schmitty. Because I is. mean, I we've all been there. We've seen awful, awful stuff done on backends, whether it's programming or whether it's hardware configuration or whatever. People don't follow best practices. They do what's no. easy. Well, and you know what the biggest culprit is? It's legacy code. You you develop an app so quickly that it has it's laden with bugs. Um, and then when you finally do get time to go back and change the code, you don't. You spend that time implementing new features. And so the old code never gets fixed. And so I'm willing to bet that most websites out there have vulnerabilities just because people are following this this model of, oh, we'll fix it later, and then they never get to it. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I would agree. I just worry that uh, there's more things like that. No. Uh, our last headline is not a favorite, but it could be. If it weren't kind of dumb. I mean, it's cool. (laughs) Well said. (laughs) It is either the dumbest cool thing ever or the coolest dumb thing ever. I'm honestly not sure. It's kind of like Pacific Rim that way, you know? (laughs) I think it's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, it's it's got the Star Wars factor. So, yeah, that immediately piques my interest. Um, $28,000 Star Wars watch. Now... Even if I had twenty eight thousand dollars just sitting there right now, I don't think I'd buy this. I think I'd have to have like a million dollars sitting right there to buy this. But even even then, it it is still a really awesome watch. Now this is made by a company called Devon or Devon. For twenty eight thousand dollars, I hope it's Devon. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You don't want to spend that kind of company and say, "Oh yeah, it's from Target. It's from Devon." What kind of watch you buy? A Devon. A Devon. I no, got it at Walmart. Devon. I bought it at Target. Target, <laughs> yes. Um, it's worn by Voldemort. Um, <laughs> so um, it's called the Belt Watch, uh, and this is a Tie Fighter inspired version of the Belt Watch. It doesn't use hands. It doesn't use the normal gears you'd see. Every number is printed onto an individual belt, and those belts are all interwoven in such a way that. As they move, they display different numbers which correspond with the time. It is fascinating, and it truly is an engineering miniature marvel. It's quite cool. Um, but it's 28 freaking thousand dollars. Yeah. When something is more than an Android watch, just because, that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have an issue um, just with the one timing belt in my car. Imagine having to deal with four timing belts. What happens if one breaks? Like, that's that's all. You stole my joke. I. I mean, what is it going to cost to to replace one <laughs> timing belt? I don't know. And if that one snaps, it snap the others. Have you guys seen the video? Have you guys seen how huge this thing is? <laughs> I, it looks like a Pip Boy. Yeah, it, it, it reminds me of the the diesel watches. You've seen diesel watches, right? They're a little bit Dizel? bigger. Diesel. Oh, Dizel. Is that what the oh, hell? Dizel. <laughs> 
<laughs> I call him Diesel because it's, it's spelled like Diesel. Gee. <laughs> but You're such it, a commoner, Schmitty. I know, you plebeian. <laughs> and it's Voldemort, okay? <laughs> oh, oh, that's yeah. going to require some explanation on the uh, on, on generic much. geek. Yeah. Okay, into our favorites this week. Uh, mine is an Android app. It's from our friends over at Adblock. Adblock has released their own Android browser. Don't worry, Apple fans. There's one on iOS as well, and it replaces the stock browser. It it claims to have built-in ad protection on Android, at least. I haven't noticed anything better than the stock Chrome. So why am I suggesting it then? Why am I so excited? Well, because it runs faster. And I've noticed my battery is actually lagging a lot less now that I'm not using Chrome. So if any reason, for, if for any reason, that's good enough right there. Um, it decently blocks ads. It takes up less power and it runs faster. So, hey, win, win, win. It's yeah. free. Go ahead. Check it out. If you don't like it, you can always uninstall it. But it's worth checking out. Nice. Uh, my favorite this week is also an app uh, and a service. Um, that is free. It is called Numerous. Um, it's an app that allows you to um, keep track of important numbers in your life. Uh, countdowns to, to certain releases, uh, notifications of, um, uh, I don't know, when when certain aspects of your life reached a certain point. I don't know. I, just a lot of different metrics that you track every day. It puts them all in one nice interface, and it looks sweet, and it's integrated you can integrate it with IFTTT, um, again, the IO Internet of Things, integrate it with your Fitbit. Um, it's, a, it's a great app. Check it out. And my favorite, of course, has to do with Star Wars because, hey, we're like, what, 99 days away from The Force Awakens? That's right. Stupid Europeans get it a day earlier. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> dang you, Europe. Uh, my favorite, though, What have is- you done to deserve it? Honestly. <laughs> Europe, not use honor. Oh, okay. I'm talking to Europe. What okay. have they done to deserve it? Because I was going to say a whole lifetime of fandom, but whatever. Um, so Richard Riley at Tom Spina Designs created a custom coffee table that features the Millennium Falcon being chased by a TIE fighter through asteroids. Um, I'm sure you've seen it. It kind of went viral this week on the on the interwebs. Uh, it's 60 inches wide, 36 inches deep, and about 20 inches tall with an awesome glass table. So you can trip on it in the dark and cut yourself to death. Uh, but wow, does it look sweet. And I really wish that I could have one in my front room. Does it light up? I don't believe that, that it would, does. That would turn the Epic up to 11 and prevent you from tripping over it in the dark. That it's is big enough. We could, we could embed an Arduino in there easily. Yeah, I don't think it would be difficult. It's just a Hasbro um, Millennium Falcon toy that they used. But they did, like, add paint and custom it up a bit, so it looks I would so buy that before I bought a watch. Oh, yeah, for sure. You could put your watch on this coffee table. Yeah, and and this does appear to be... This does appear to be uh, one of a kind. However, uh, as I state in the article, if you have the... If you have the money, they could probably be persuaded to build you one as well. 
Very, very good. All right. Well, that is our show this week. Again, you know the drill. If there's something you like, something you don't, let us know. Feedback at StolenDroids.com or give us a call 801-917-GEEK. Check out our new show, uh, Generic Geek Podcast. You can find links to it at StolenDroids.com. A happy send-off to Dr. Squishy, who just uh, released his final episode of the Moving Picture Show. Thank you for your service, sir. We salute you. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, LM, Google+. And until next time, cheers. End of line. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.